0: This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn.
1: Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And, um, oh, forget it. Forget it. We're just going to start over. We have done the same introduction for somewhere around two or 300 episodes. It is time to bring in something new. The new year is coming up. We've got all kinds of great shows from uh, m3 to uh, acdc to poison to motley crew let us do something new uh, i have got a new intro here and we're going to try it out you let me know if you like it provided to me by the one the only jeremy white at the beat Ninety 92.5 in montreal here is well let's just start this one over direct from montreal canada this is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. And that, folks, is a proper introduction. So let's do this on three, two, one. Welcome to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Uh, joining me on the phone, it is uh, the one, uh, the only Lawrence Gowan from Styx, of course, uh, Canadian brethren. We love him like a brother. He is uh, going on tour. Uh, starting in November and ending in March of 2020. That's right. His first date is in November 28th, 2019 in Joliet, Quebec. And it ends on March 3rd in L'Assomption, Quebec. It is, it is mostly, mostly a Quebec tour, though he does have dates in Belleville, Ontario, Toronto, Gravenhurst and Richmond Hill, but everything else. It's Quebec, from uh, Montreal to Laval to Chicoutimi, just all over the place. And if that wasn't enough, squeezing in between all these uh, solo dates will be, of course, dates with Sticks, because who doesn't love Gowan and Sticks together? Uh, the band uh, the band, and, and Gowan. Just what a perfect combination. You know, uh, Lawrence Gowan, or Gowan as we know him in Canada, had a great solo career, but. But it was a somewhat localized career. And I, and I mean, no disrespect, but, you know, we, we knew him in, in, in Montreal and in Toronto. I'm not sure if fans in San Diego were quite aware. And of course, Styx needed a new singer and boom, the perfect guy. And so it's just been a a match made in heaven. So, uh, of course, uh, kudos to both uh, Styx and Gowan. uh, Just uh, music magic being made uh, together. And, uh, well, you know what? I am just so excited by the new intro that I just want to get to the show. So, uh, without further ado, here is the one, the only, you know him, you love him, star of the movies, Wolf Cop. Well, okay, he had a cameo in Wolf Cop. Here is the one the only the undeniable Lawrence Gowan. we are speaking with a singer, songwriter, and wolf cop thespian Lawrence Gowan bonjour monsieur <laughs> bonjour monsieur Lafon. I've been waiting forever to say that WolfCop, wolfcock part that uh, I wrote that no uh, well you 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 came to the you came to the premiere
0: in Montreal, and uh, you know I'll never forget it i I saw you howling in your seat and uh, both from laughter and from uh, Extra hairiness.
1: Yes. we. Uh, <laughs> well, I brought my daughter, and we saw Wolf Cop 1 and 2, which were fantastic. Yeah. But, but we'll get to all that in, in, in a bit now. We're, we're just going to do about 15 minutes today. We're just going to talk sure. about this uh, Tournée au Québec. Um, talk to me about this, because I, I follow you, and I don't often see – you know, a a tour exclusive to Vancouver not Vancouver, but British Columbia or a tour exclusive to Alberta. There seems to be this special connection with Quebec where you come almost every year and do, you know, twelve to something. fifteen or something. Yeah. So so talk to me about what is so important for you to come to this market. Well, a couple of
0: things. One is I'm 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 constantly apologizing to people out west who want who who want a gallon tour out there, but I've made it up to them a little bit this year because Sticks played out in Vancouver and uh, a bunch of shows in B C and Alberta. So I, I've I've made it up to them a little bit at this point. But it's the logistics Mitch. It comes down to, you know, when I've when I've got that brief window to go out and play some gallon shows, to go out west is, is that's one hell of a haul. Um, you know, it takes it takes a couple of days to get the gear there and to and to get fired up into the whole Western, um, you know, way of doing, uh, you know, the distances are really part of what the what it comes down to. So, for example, I can play, you know, I can play whatever it is, nine shows that we're doing over a two week period in, in Quebec where, you know, it's only two, three hour, maybe five hour drives in between. But you've got twelve, fourteen, sixteen-hour drives when you play out west, and so it means a lot of days off. And there's only so much time that, that I can get away from sticks to to come and do these things. So it's the logistics of that. It really has nothing to do with uh, me not wanting to play there. The other beautiful thing is that you know I still live in Toronto, so Quebec is 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 close by. And there's this there's it's it's never ceased the the kind of demand to come and, to come and play here, and the audiences here are just. So much fun and quite honestly it's still got an exotic appeal to me when i get come here and try to speak my broken uh you know horrible uh, version of french but people seem to enjoy it and uh, they understand usually about 40 percent of what i'm saying
1: right and, and of course uh, this is sort of the place that led to you getting into sticks right the story is that you were playing at the bell center or the molson center back in the day and and the That's sticks. It. yeah so tell me about
0: it sure so you know in 1997 i did the first part of the show for, for sticks at the at what was then the new the brand new uh we were calling it the new montreal forum it was the molson center at that time the bell center now and you know it was donald k donald the legendary promoter they said look he played the old montreal forum in 85 play the new Montreal form and you've done both ends. (laughs) And he said, but you got to open the show for sticks. And I said, Donald, I'm playing completely solo on this tour. There's no band. And unlike, by the way, what we're doing this year, which is full band. um, But in that, in that juncture there in 97, I was playing entirely solo. He said, no, no, just do that. And and when uh, sticks manager, Charlie Brusco, when he heard that I was doing it completely solo, he thought, how could somebody play, you know the Montreal Farm with uh, just solo piano. So he came up from Atlanta and he saw the show, and it was one of those kind of scripted nights almost, where everything went, you know, just exactly to the script. There was, you know, there was a, a multi encore night, and the band took note of it. You know, they were they were side stage at the end of the show, and uh, <clears throat> I shook hands with Tommy Shaw, who made the very prescient statement of like, we we, we got to work together more in the future. <laughs> and two years later. When they were looking for a piano player who sings, uh, my name kind of floated to the to the top of that list. And, uh, you know, coincidentally, the, in the intervening year in 98, I was playing at um, the opening of uh, Princess Diana's memorial in England. I was on the bill with, uh, I, was, I was playing with the London Symphony, an original piece called Healing Waters. And I was on the bill with Duran Duran and Sir Cliff Richard and Todd Sikerman from Styx was there also, the drummer. Our drummer, the drummer, our drummer. And uh, when my name came up, you know, in early 99, he said, I just saw that guy again in England and, uh, you know, playing with the London Symphony. And, and yeah, but why don't we ask him? And that's really so it really it, it, it springs from Montreal, but it kind of, uh, you know, eventually we met up in Los Angeles and I've been with them now for 20 plus years.
1: And I have to say, it it was one of those win-wins where it gave you this new international prominence, but it also gave Sticks, I don't want to say credibility because they were always credible, but it just, like, all of a sudden, it wasn't just a replacement guy. It's like, oh, listen to this guy. So it was win-win.
0: The cool thing was they they wanted to get someone that was not a sound like or in any way was a. Uh, they never brought up, you know, trying to mimic these parts, et cetera. None of that ever existed. They said, look, take these songs and make them your own and and we'll make a criminal mind our own because they do their own version of a criminal mind. I say they, I mean we. (laughs) No, right. And it's great. So thank you. uh, uh, Thanks very much. And thanks on behalf of the band. And they, you know, because of that, it, it really, it felt natural right off the bat. It was just like we were almost starting a new band that had this phenomenal legacy behind them and this great material. So, you know, we set off down that path and and it it has led to something that's just really quite marvelous where we, you know, this year we sold out the London Palladium in England and uh, we played the next night, a couple of nights later, we were in Norway, sold out night. And we played at Sweden rock, which is a monster festival where we've played a couple of times, but usually to about 25 you know, twenty-five to thirty thousand people. There were over forty thousand this year to see sticks at that festival. So it's amazing how it's grown over these years and how the audience keeps expanding, especially in age. You know, from you know, there's from sixteen to to you know, seventy-five year olds now in the audience when you uh, when you go to a stick show.
1: So so let me ask you about the uh, creative aspect and, and the solo aspect. Because being in Styx, this is a band that works all the time. They're on tour all the time. You're always, always busy. But you've been doing these Galwin shows, especially here in Quebec, over the last couple of years. But there hasn't been new Galwin music in in eternity. Uh, same with Styx. The mission... Do you have this creative desire to reestablish the solo career and say, "Okay, there's going to be a new sticks thing," and I'm going to go do a little three months Gowan—sorry, I meant Gowan, Gowan run—and yeah. yep. and, and 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 you know, be strange animal part two kind of thing, or is it like, "Nah, this is just for fun. This is like a hobby, but the day job or the real job or the whatever creative outlet is sticks," and I'm just going to. How do you sort of see that going forward?
0: Great, great question. No, there's always this anxiety in me that I want to do everything all, you know, at at all times. So, for example, yes, I when I come home on a little break like this, I've been working on a solo record that's pretty much done and really ready to go. But I, unless I have, as you just pointed out unless I have three months minimum, but really more like six months to focus on on really promoting it, there's no point in putting it out because things can get lost on the internet uh, today if, unless you're really doing what you and I are doing right now, which is promoting this tour and, and really promoting them, you know. So with Sticks, our most recent record, The Mission, you know, the reason it's done continues to do so well is because we keep focusing on you know, letting people know about it. And, and we gather over a hundred shows in a year. We gather more and more people that, that have, that have now owned that record. It's, you know, it's always endlessly debated now where in the top 10 sticks albums of all time, it sits. I know on ultimate classic rock. They've got it at number seven, but on our, on our social media pages, it's usually at number three or four, you know? So next week we play two nights in New York, um, where we featured the entire album of the mission and we do one in boston again entirely the mission and, and then some of the greatest hits uh we did a sold out night in las vegas earlier this year focused on that record so i got a lot of that anxiety that you're referring to about new material but it was alleviated by by the mission and the success it's had because i was part of the writing and part of the process of making that entire record along with the band and uh but yes, you're right. The 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 anxiety to put out uh anxiety is too much. The, the, the eagerness, not so much anxiety. I've got enough psychological. The, the
1: desire, um, the desire,
0: the to put desire, out. right? The desire. Excellent word. Um, is is constantly there, and it's just the real the reality of the time to focus on on promoting it properly is is what. Uh, is what holds me back. And when I get on stage to play a couple of hours, it's like I've got an awful lot of material that people want to hear. You know, so in this run of shows, we'll focus most of the show on Strange Animal and uh, Great Dirty World. There'll be like what seven, seven whatever, uh, eleven of the songs, twelve of the songs in the show are just from those two records alone. So you know, there's another there's another eight or so that uh, that I pull from the from all at least something from each gallon record plus. You know, we added Key Dive, which is from uh, the mission. That's a solo piano piece I do on sticks. The mission, and uh, so that's in there. And Todd Sirkman's with us, so we, he's he's got to get a drum solo. <laughs> and uh, that's that's basically it. So I, I just have plenty to occupy my. Uh, my
1: desire, so to speak. So so let me, and, and by the way, that would be a great uh, comeback album title, Gowan Desire. Perfect, <laughs> yeah. right there. Uh, but no, let, let me, I, d- I do want to ask you about the mission, because it took 12 years between albums, and it was <laughs> received very, very well by the critics, as you said, Ultimate yeah. Classic Rock, and, I, and and I've seen it on yep. Twitter, and I, fans love it. So does that yeah. sort of spur on the creative juices, like, hey guys, we did this, and it actually worked. Or and, and so we do another one, or do you say, "Hey, listen, let's just go out on top," because if the next one tanks, <laughs> like you know, like, how how do you yeah, how does the band sort of see it?
0: Uh, yeah, excellent. Well, yes, the success of that record has led to no. There's there's a flood of new ideas that are suddenly being uh being combed through and and we you know we fully intend to to see them through and make another record because the uh because of the success of the mission that's flat out what it is exactly as you just pointed out so i i would i you know i, I without announcing anything i can just tell people there's a lot of really good things that coming down the pipeline that they eventually are going to emerge hopefully sooner than later and um you know, we'll focus on promoting that thing the same way as we did on The Mission. And, and, and you know, as JY points out on stage, The Mission is the, the most critically acclaimed album in, in the band's entire career. You know, some of their biggest records were completely panned, and yet they've stood the test of time and proven, proven you know, those kinds of uh, critics wrong over the years. But The Mission has, been, has, has stood as the, the most critically acclaimed record that the band has ever done.
1: Yes, but, but to be fair to the band, because I've followed music for a long time, critics in the 70s especially seemed to just write crap just because they could write crap. And they sort of got... <laughs> I mean, it, you, know, you you look at any band, Aerosmith, Kiss, Sticks. Yeah. Every review was, ah, yeah. oh, it's terrible. Like, it was yeah. all very pedantic. And it's like, oh, shut it, up. You know.
0: It was. It really, it, it truly was. It's almost like it was... I used to wonder about that myself, especially when it came to shows. I'd go to a show and be ecstatically, you know, in a euphoric state. And the next day I'd read some scathing review and I'm like, were you even there, buddy? I mean, I, I can't even imagine that we were in the same place because I don't know how you could have missed that. It was a phenomenal performance or same about albums that I loved, you know, and. Quite often, we it, were it, a lot of critics back then were very much, very, very sensitive to the flavor of the day. That seems to have, have weathered. That seems to have, have changed now. And the classic rock genre in general is revered because it stood the test of time. You can't really refute the fact that it's the great musical statement of the last half of the 20th century. It's, it's irrefutable now. So they do tend to give it a much more serious listen and so comparing one era to another you know is is difficult at best
1: and i also think the professions change where there are actually music journalists that are that grew up being fans and understand music whereas back in the day it just seemed to be like well you can't be writing the uh you know the washington report so you go cover the concert you know just you you over there I
0: think you're
1: right. I think I I never thought of that, but
0: yeah, you're right. So usually it was the the inferior writers. It was the yeah, (laughs) and and the the guy
1: who had. And I'll tell you this one story because you're like, well, were they ever not in the building? There was a time, um, God, uh, about two thousand three or so. I was at the Montreal or at the Bell Center, and I was backstage, and there was this triple bill entombed, um, God, in Queensryche and I think Dio, right. Yeah, and I was yeah. backstage with the writer from the Montreal Gazette, and I'm not going to say his name, but if you know the Montreal Gazette, and he was downstairs, and he was eating hot dogs, and he was talking, and the first two bands played, right? Yeah. And, and, and sorry, Entombed was replacing Queensryche that night, because for some reason, Queensryche couldn't make the gig. So I, right. I open up the newspaper the next day, and it says, <laughs> Queensryche sounded terrible, and they were horrible, and God, oh my God, why were they even on this bill? And then and I and then they went on about motor and I just went wait a minute Queensrÿze yeah. canceled their appearance because I think yeah. Jeff Tate or something it's like and and you were backstage with me while both wow it's like both Mitch, bands were playing <laughs> you <laughs> might have been pre- you might have been
0: present at the at the at the onslaught of where fake news really began
1: I think so so <laughs> I was just like wait a minute. So then I'm like, okay, now that explains all the the bad reviews of all the concerts I've read over the years. This yeah. guy was backstage. Yeah. Anyway, um so so yeah, so it's a,
0: it's, a, it's a great dirty world, isn't it? It really is so. So yeah, no,
1: I I got to see behind the curtain, and I was like, uh, all right. So that's why I don't I don't read reviews. I don't read record reviews, and I don't write them because you uh, know
0: the greatest reviews we have are a few thousand people are on their feet with gigantic smiles on their face at the end of the night, begging you to stay and play. You know, a a lot much longer than you're than you than you possibly can, uh, given the curfews of the buildings. And so that those are the greatest reviews of all to read. I mean, now we're in an, an, an era where social media directs so much of the, the uh, of public opinion but ultimately the live arena is where things matter and I'll just you know I'll, I'll leave you with this you know the testament to that is going to be when we come and play these shows in Quebec these gallon shows starting in Joliet on the 28th of November and going right to Quebec City in, uh, December 9th it's going to be yet again another love fest between myself and my band and, and uh, the public in Quebec and so you know Say what you like about it. It's going to be uh, it's it's going to be a, just a, a great adventure once again.
1: It is, and uh, I have a million questions, but I know that we have limited time. And uh, always, always a pleasure. And I will see you at that Montreal show at the uh, Corona, yeah. great venue yeah. by the way, great yeah, venue. Yeah, I know it. That's right here. Oh That's my God! Right here.
0: So well, it's like a hundred and
1: something years old, right? And they refer it, yeah. it's it, yeah. the sound it, anyway. It's a great mm-hmm. concert. If fans haven't been, you have to go to the Corona. It's a great concert experience.
0: Great to chat with you again, Mitch.
1: Yes, talk to you soon. Cheers.
0: All the best, man. Thanks, Thanks avec, so much. Cheers. Avec
1: plaisir. Bonsoir. Yeah, c'est mon plaisir, monsieur.
0: Bye Bonsoir.
1: now. Cheers. And cue the outro music. What, what, what do you mean there's no outro music? Jeremy! Jeremy! Oh, listen to this. Here's Paul Stanley to tell you why he doesn't want to shake your hand. Some people might have a little rock and roll pneumonia.
0: Not even cold gin will kill those germs. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon.